You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff. This is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Here with Jeff and Ken. How are you both today? Good afternoon, Neil. Doing fine. Is it afternoon or evening? Evening? I believe it's evening. Evening? Afternoon, I suppose, on the the West Coast. The sun has just begun to dip a little bit in the sky. Yeah. So we'll call it evening. Happy uh, Eurovision week to anyone who celebrates, uh, like I do. <laughs> to those who celebrate. To those who celebrate. That's why Matt isn't here today. It's also um, Nurses Week at the time of recording, Neil. Is it? To nurses those who Week? Celebrate. To those yes. who celebrate. And then there's also Nurses Eurovision Week where the nurses perform a pop song uh, for their oh, that's, selected country. Oh, that's good TV. That would be good TV. That's why Matt isn't here, though. He actually traveled to Liverpool, England, where Eurovision is taking place uh, in. Um, in honor of your Ukraine, because Ukraine won last year, and they weren't able to host it uh, due to the conflict. So Matt uh, followed uh, the twin brothers of Azerbaijan, just like people follow you two around the world, and he's going to go check them out. So have fun, I Matt. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Someone will. That's all that matters. But uh, Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we have a, a great show for you today, because uh, we have two people that we brought along um, that are just going to elevate Matt's absence that much more. So we're super excited to... Welcome back, someone who uh, hosted a bonus episode that I believe, Ken, you played with. Was that One Piece? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it was com- a blast. It was a blast. It was. I do remember that. I don't and know now, anything about One Piece. And now Jeff Piece, is but... on board. Oh, yes. I, I want to say. He started He started on reading. On board the merry-go. Yes. He's about uh, He's a little. F- he's about a third through. So okay. we're, we're getting underway here. And I think we have- Quarter? Quarter? It's at least a quarter. Quarter. Not quite a third. We have this person to thank, I think, for that, maybe. Um, so we want to introduce him from Huntsville, Alabama. Not a robot supporter on Patreon. Jared Seal, how are you, Jared? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Of course. So, so much uh, so much fun to uh, invite you back and to know that you wrote a game for us. So why don't you remind the folks at home what you're up to and uh, who you are? Yeah, uh, I'm just up here chilling in North Alabama. I'm a software engineer, and I like trivia, so here I am. Well, thank you so much uh, for writing today's game. And uh, speaking of One Piece, um, Ken here can probably talk about it a lot, and so can Jeff. I don't know anything about it. So from your vantage point from writing the bonus game, uh, is there one uh, character that uh, everyone should check out, you know, you Google and learn a little bit about? Oh, man, (laughs) what a question. That's Uh, hard to say without spoiling the whole thing. Uh, my favorite character is Law. He's He's a real cool guy. So if you like that guy and like how he looks on the internet, uh, maybe don't look too much, but 
Yeah. That, that'll Lost, be a good start. Law is point. a cool guy. Well, speaking we like law. Jeff doesn't know law yet, but he will. You don't know law? How about uh, Judge Dredd, who is the law? <laughs> um, speaking, Intimately familiar. Speaking of law, though, what a great transition that Jared didn't even know that he made. Um, uh, let's introduce our guests, and we'll have uh, them talk a little bit about uh, how Jude Law is going to be in the proceedings today. Uh, introducing from uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Tim Dipple. How are you, Tim? I am good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for being here. Tell us a little bit about you and uh, the project that you're working on. Yeah, so I am Tim. I am a cybersecurity analyst here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I am one of the hosts of the, currently a host of Pub Trivia Experience and Boozy Bracketology, but I am in the process of launching a separate podcast called Frenemy Trivia, uh, basically taking two teams of two and then pitting them against each other. And then in the second half, uh, whichever team survives the first half, then turns on each other. And, you know, it's a one-on-one trivia match. So by the time this gets started, uh, by the time this airs, I think we'll be about two or three weeks into that. So wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to checking it out. And that's with a mutual friend of ours of the show. That's right. Yeah. It is uh, myself and Brittany Shaw. Shout out to Brittany. Yeah. That's awesome. On the new venture. Yeah, and uh, Pub Trivia Experience is a great show. I had the uh, privilege of being on that uh, for, it was just one episode, but I, I, I think I did pretty good. I almost won, so I, I felt good about it, but it was just more of a fun experience in general. But I've um, been hearing great things about uh, Boozy Bracketology, so I'd love to maybe guess on that at some point. Oh, we'd love to have you over there. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and why don't you uh, tell us who you're partnering with and how Jude Law is uh, getting involved? Yeah, so I think I am going to partner with Ken and uh, playing on the show that I'm getting ready to launch. We're going to be uh, Frenemy at the Gates. Very nice. All right, and Jeff? The uh, man with the dry erase board writes his answer. The man without the marker follows him. When the man without the dry erase board dies, the man with the marker picks up the dry erase board and writes his answer. Is that too deep? No, I liked it. All right, thank you. That was good. Um, Jeff? We'll cut that. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it'll be in there. Jeff, uh, we are going to be partners today, and while we didn't have a good Jude Law pun, actually, we did. Ken had one. Do you want to say it, Ken, or no? Which one? The Rachel Weiss one. (laughs) No. Okay, so Ken won't say that one. If you're outlawing it as the team name, then it's not worth it. (laughs) All right, well, Jeff... um, Clearly, it was not appropriate for the podcast. You're a fan of of Owen Wilson, and uh, you like when Owen Wilson is in... uh, Yeah, yeah. And and many a predicament. Yeah. So we're going to be behind frenemy lines. Indeed. Wow, it's like I'm behind the lines. There's a bunch of bad guys over here. Owen, is that you? You're here on Triviality? Wow, can't wait for Asteroid City. Everyone, I think, is just waiting with bated breath for Asteroid City. Well, uh, I guess let's hear the rules from Owen Wilson. He's here. Let's have him do it live. The rules of the game are simple. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. We must what is Asteroid City? I'm not familiar with this. That property. is a uh, what, the new uh, Wes Anderson, new Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, if you like, uh, I don't think he's actually in it, but I'm sure he's following Wes Anderson's career with interest. Yeah, I'm sure he's there. He's in the new Haunted Mansion movie, so that's what he he was up to. I was too busy. 
too busy hanging out with ghosts. Uh, well, Jared, uh, feel free to take it away. We're ready to play over here. And uh, I guess the winner is going to get a bargain bin copy of either Enemy at the Gates or Behind Enemy Lines. So we'll see what happens. DVD only. Only DVD, yeah. <laughs> I request LaserDisc. No, Blu- no Blu-ray. All right. Well, we're going to kick it off with question one. Each of the big four leagues in American sports, that is to say the NFL, NHL, NBA, and MLB, culminate their seasons with a championship and a trophy that the winners get to take home. For two points each, and ten if you can get them all, name each of the four trophies that the winners of the big four postseasons receive. We're going to go ahead and lock in. All right. So I know two. I know the Stanley Cup, and I know the Lombardi Trophy. Yeah, uh, those are the two I had. I want to say that um, for some reason, O'Brien is standing out or is jumping to mind. I don't know. I think that's the NBA one. But okay. I'm down I, with I whatever the... you say on those because I really don't know. I just know what they look like. One looks like a basketball and the other looks like a bunch of like flags or something. Like pendants, yeah. I, I honestly didn't know that Major League Baseball had a name for it. I thought it was just like the World Series trophy. That sounds good to me. So we'll say the two I said, O'Brien and World Series. Yeah, Jeff and I quickly wrote down the Lombardi for the NFL, uh, named after a, a team that shall not be named, and then... Uh, or, or rather their coach from or their the coach. 50s and 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stanley Cup... Uh, for hockey and then yeah we don't really know the basketball one. we wrote down jerry west but we think that's the mvp for the finals uh and then the baseball one's probably named after some random commissioner so we have no idea on we those. just said world series trophy again on that one yeah so the nfl has the vince lombardi trophy the nhl has the stanley cup the nba has the larry o'brien championship trophy and the mlb neil has the commissioner's trophy you're knocking on the door of it but didn't quite get there oh damn all right so six points for uh us and four for you question two what c's name contains root words from latin meaning middle and earth ah second breakfast so uh these guys locked in quickly and i think they're probably thinking the same thing that we are what what did you want to say I mean, am I overthinking it by saying Mediterranean? I think you are not <laughs> overthinking it. You're definitely not overthinking it. And I think it's Mediterranean. It surely is the Mediterranean Sea. Question three. One of America's most famous landmarks is the Hollywood sign in Los Angeles. Built in 1923, the sign originally had an extra four-letter word at the end, which lasted until renovation began in 1949. What did the sign originally say? From from all the uh, period pieces I've seen, I know that it uh, says Hollywood Land. Yeah, I think it was actually meant to represent uh, a local subdivision or something like that. Mm. Like it, it was an advertisement for the subdivision, and then Hollywood bought it. They're like, this is our thing now. Great. And we said Hollywood Land. It is Holly, or it was Hollywood Land. Yes. I didn't know if I should say Hollywood Land or Hollywoodland. So, I wonder how much it costs to buy that Miami sign that doesn't really exist. Oh yeah, from, uh, from Bad all Boys. The movies, yeah, yeah, and all the other ones. It's like real. It's like really small too, right? Yeah, it's like a small model. <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious about that too. I, there's a lot of stuff like that. I and the I never knew that the thing in Men in Black, like the uh, the Earth thing that you know that blows up at the end. I always yeah. thought that was Universal Studios, but it's actually in New York. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Question four. 
The prehistoric animal Dimetrodon, a schooner, and Elton John's debut album Empty Sky all have what feature in common? My guess would be AWOL Nation's biggest hit would also fit into this list. So I think okay. maybe it's things with sails. That that works. I was going with a, a fin. A fin? Hmm. Uh, but but that's really just Finn. What would be like, like Elton John's Finn? So so like musically, Finn means end. So maybe that was the final uh, track of the album. Good thinking. Okay, uh, yeah, I like but, that. But I'm okay with Sail too. I'm not strong. I on think Finn. you would. Co- uh, so if a dime, what is it called? A dimetrodon has like a thing sticking up. I'm pointing my my hand up in the air. I I would call that a fin and not a sail. So let's go with fin. Okay, so we'll go with fin. Yeah, and um, we said for the prominent feature on the dinosaur's back, sail. They all have sails. The Dimetrodon has a spinal sail, a schooner is a type of sailboat, and Elton John's debut album features a track called Sails. Sorry for talking you out of that. Oh, that's okay. No worries. Christopher Cross would also be uh, involved in this. Sail away. Or sailing, I mean. Sailing. Question five. The fifth installment of the Elder Scrolls franchise, Skyrim, has notoriously seen many re-releases over the years, but on the date of its original release, the month, day, and last two digits of the year were all the same number. On what date did Skyrim come out? Yep, locked in. Was it uh, like something like 11-11-11? Well, I think... Uh... Well, I guess I guess that would make sense. Most video game releases are before Christmas. I was thinking that the question was indicating it had to be like January first, eleven. Yeah, I I, I think eleven, eleven, eleven. All right, let's go with it. And that's what we locked in with. It was November eleventh, twenty eleven. Eleven, eleven, eleven. I remember where I was that day. We nailed it. I think somewhere deep in my subconscious, I had the like advertisements floating around back there. But uh, after this first round, it looks like we have racked up 36 points. And you guys doing just slightly better with 44. Mm-hmm. Moving on to tw- question six. American Thanksgiving has been on the fourth Thursday of November since FDR signed a resolution in 1941. This changed it from being the final Thursday in November, which was the case when it was originally declared a national holiday many years earlier. Within two years, what was this year in which American Thanksgiving was first declared an official statewide national holiday? Well, he said many, so that's a many. So that's what we're going to lock in with. All right, they're locked in. So did you have an inkling or should we just pick a year in the 1800s? So I feel like it was declared by Lincoln is actually something that's kind of in the back of my mind do you think it was like a little civil war like levity possibly and i mean with lincoln being when he was i feel like 1863 covers his entire uh the the two years either way covers his entire presidency i like it i like it a lot so we're gonna say 1863 so actually we're pretty close we guessed 1862 Abraham Lincoln declared American Thanksgiving a national holiday in, Tim nailed it, 1863. Nice. Well done. Yes, well done. But no one says four score anymore. You're welcome to say score as many times as you want, as it fits in context, Neil. 
you can you can continue on the proud tradition of saying score. Yeah, you're you're approaching the two score mark yourself. So, what oh. things do you measure in twenties? Uh, cash money, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> dollar dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> so a score is twenty. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Question seven. Without your God-given sensitivity, we would be immersed in greater ignorance at the anguish of AIDS and HIV sufferers, the plight of the homeless, the isolation of lepers, the random destruction of landmines. That was a quote taken from a eulogy delivered at whose funeral given by her brother. Any initial ideas on this one? My first initial reaction is Princess Diana. Um, I feel like she didn't, I, I believe she did a lot of work with AIDS and yeah. HIV sufferers. And, you know, she was always, you know, for the downtrodden. And I think she made landmines her thing. Okay. And had a brother that I don't know. That's the one part that I don't feel comfortable on, okay. but everything well, else I think fits. I like the answer. So let's go with it. Lady Diana Spencer. She did have a brother. Yeah, Mr. Spencer. Mr. Spencer, he owned a, a bunch of shops in the United States that have weird gifts and posters and stuff. Um, yeah, we we agree. I saw a great thread. Princess uh, Diana's brother is a dildo salesman, <laughs> which is really weird because before that his business was weed because it used to be Spencer's dispensaries. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so we we agree. Um, I saw a great thread during uh, King Charles' coronation where they were trying to pull focus from him and talk about all the great things Diana did. And uh, there's a great thread about uh, her shaking hands with uh, HIV sufferers. Um, and kind of bring it to the forefront. So we said Princess Diana. It was Princess Diana. Uh, the eulogy was by her brother, Charles Spencer. I'm not going to lie. The monarchy might still be relevant if she was around today. Who knows if she would be in it at this point, too. Just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. That's like a nice catchphrase from like a 90s sitcom for Jeff. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Who ate all the tacos? I'm just saying. <laughs> Look, Ooh. I'm hungry. I'm just saying. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Question eight. With 22, what person holds the record for most Oscars won at the Academy Awards? You locked in automatically here? Yeah, we can lock in. I want to say John Williams. That was my gut, too. But I wonder if there's like some obscure costumer or something but i won't be able to come up with any other intelligent answer if it is so let's just say john williams shall we yeah yeah i'm good with that so john williams uh is second to this person in nominations almost almost beating them depending on how long john williams will live hopefully for a long long time but uh, this person is a uh, walt disney Oh, I forgot. It was Walt Disney, all, all of gun. which were in the categories of best short subject or best documentary. It's not what you think you would win for. Okay, this next question contains a word that I meant to look up how to pronounce and I forgot. So here we go. Question nine. The Hornbostel Sachs is a classification system broken down into five top levels, which further break down into over 300 lower categories. The top five levels of the system are the idiophones, membranophones, Chordophones, aerophones, and electrophones. What does the Hornbostel sax classify? All right, Jeff. Um, I remember you've regaled me before with uh, the horn Hornbostel sax, uh, talking about it. Uh, you like your sax that have dice. Um, you like your slacks. Um, you like the the app called Slack. So I'm going to trust you that we can lock in. I hate Slack. 
No, no offense to Slack, but I know we tried to use it and Ken. I don't was need another. So angry. I don't need another messaging. Slack's program. a little too busy. Um, so what do you what are you thinking? Musical instruments comes to mind. That was my first thought. I I don't have any strong feeling on this whatsoever. All right, but well, I mean, looking at it, things with a membrane, things with strings, arrow could be things like with air passing through it. And then I'm okay things with, with electric. I don't know what idiophones would be, but yeah, let's say musical instruments. All right, Jeff, time to shine. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that this all points to uh, classifications of instruments. So that's what we went with. That's right. It's musical instruments. Is that? The, I'm guessing that's two different uh, people. It's named after Mr. Sure. Lord Bostel and Mr. Sachs. That uh, goes past the amount of research I did for this question, but that would make sense. Uh, yes. Eric Moritz von Hornbostel and Kurt Sachs. The fact that Jeff came up with that off the top of his head is just mind-blowing. Uh, and it was first published in 1914 in a periodical called Zeitschrift für Ethnology. Schnell. <laughs> <laughs> question 10 contains food math. If I order four Whoppers from Burger King, three Double Downs from KFC, two Baconators from Wendy's, and one Big Mac from McDonald's, how many slices of bread will I have? So here is my thought. Go for it. So Whoppers, two pieces of bread each. That brings us to eight. Okay, uh, Baconators, I'm guessing two pieces of bread as well. Right. Two of those, that brings us to 12. And Correct. then three pieces of bread on one Big Mac. So we're at 15. Correct. Are the double downs the things wedged between th two pieces of chicken? I think so. I'm so pretty no sure bread. that's the chicken with the chicken sandwich. So I had 15. Yeah, I had 15 too. I think he was trying to get us with the double downs. Yeah, I, th I think both the double downs and the Big Mac are meant to be. We had the exact same math, and we think that uh, Jared was being a little cheeky. So we said 15. I am being a little cheeky. It is 15. So four offers is eight slices. There is no bread and a double down. Two Baconators is four slices, and a Big Mac has three slices. So after the first half, we have three score and 16 points. And <laughs> you guys have four score and 14 points. It's all making sense now. Does that, does that wet your whistle for score-based math, Neil? Anytime I'm in the studio, my whistle is always wet. It's a score in score. Ah, there you go. Now, uh, speaking of Jared, uh, we're going to put you on the spot here, Jared, uh, just to say thank you for being a patron, and we appreciate it. Uh, if you'd like to join Jared and get a bunch of bonus audio content every month and get uh, ad-free uh, episodes of all our new episodes for as little as a dollar a month, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast, and uh, you can hang out with people like Jared. We don't have a place to hang out, but if we did, you would hang out with someone like Jared because he's pretty cool. And, uh, and you also hang out with people like Tim as well, so... Um, when you're hanging out with Jared, when you go back to your wife and she's mad, she's like, where have you been all this time? You'd say, I went to Jared. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, if you want to hang out with Jared and say that to your wife or your partner, uh, go to patreon.com says triviality podcast and uh, help support the show. So, Jared, uh, what do we have in store for the swing round today? Today's swing round consists of crossword ease. So I'm a big crossword nerd, and from doing them, I've learned that certain words appear far more often than others due to their letter makeup being friendly to crossing other words. For each question, I'll give you three different clues from some instances these words have been used in the New York Times crosswords, and you just have to give me the correct word. 
Okay. All right. Number one, four letters, two-tone treat, snack item since 1912, McFlurry mix-in. Number two, four letters, obsessed captain, Starbucks superior, Melville monomaniac. Number three, three letters, sinus doc, towering figure in the two towers, suffix with exist. Number four, four letters, revealer of the wizard, bomb barker, group with Grammy's 1982 record of the year. Number five, four letters, lake bordering four states, spooky sounding lake, one of the greats. Number six, four letters, first name in R&B, James with a jazzy voice, place close to Sundance. Number seven, six letters, African menace, fly in a jungle, sub-Saharan scourge. Number eight, four letters, daughter of Cronus, Greek goddess of marriage, Juno's Greek counterpart. Number nine, four letters, Olympic poker, it can have a French or pistol grip, tool for a duel. And number 10, three letters, neighbor of GA, in the manner of, cookbook phrase. All right, we'll work on these crosswords and we'll be right back after these messages. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, Matt here. Uh, just sending you a quick reminder that this Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern time, I'll be hosting a live trivia game on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash triviality matt and you can play along on the triv now app and if you miss it and you're listening to this a little bit later it's actually going to be saved on the page and we're going to be doing these every third saturday of the month so be on the lookout and make sure you like and subscribe we are back and we had a great time coming up with these crossword clues so let's hear the questions one more time and we'll give our answers 
All right. So number one was four letters, two-tone treat, snack item since 1912, McFlurry mix-in. All right. So for this one, we had Oreo. A mutual friend of ours might say Hydrox is better, but we locked in with Oreo. Wow. Is that mutual friend me? Do you also like Hydrox better? No. Oh, just... okay. <laughs> I was gonna make. I was gonna say that just to just to stir up controversy. It was Oreo. Number two, four letters. Obsessed Captain, Starbucks Superior, Melville Monomaniac. For this one, we said Ahab. Yep, we also said Ahab. It was Ahab. Number three, three letters. Sinus Doc, towering figure in the two towers suffix with exist and i just realized what the sinus doc was referring to but we finally landed on ent yeah get it too yeah uh i'm assuming you're talking about an ear nose and throat yeah we said ent yep ent is correct you know when you go to the ent and they stick the probe down your nose to like look with the camera they always say hello my precious neil where are the ent wives that's what I want to know. The Entwives? Where are they? Well, they started in Orange County. Then there was a Beverly Hills. And then there was a Miami. And then there was an Atlanta. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, number four. Four letters. Revealer of the Wizard. Bomb Barker. <laughs> group with Grammy's 1982 Record of the Year. <laughs> we said Toto. Yeah, that's not even their good song. We said Toto. That's a good song. Yeah. Uh, number four was Toto. A lot of people don't know, speaking of John Williams earlier, that's his son who leads that band. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say the exact same thing. Yeah. Is that true? Like the whole super group of like musicians, kids? Yeah. I, I think I think it was only for a period in the 80s. I don't think it's long term. But yeah, he definitely fronted Toto. Yeah, that's really cool. And uh, as Jeff knows, uh, you know, from looking at court files, you never want to say that you're the revealer of the wizard because that'll get you in big trouble. Number five, four letters, lake bordering four states. Spooky sounding lake, one of the greats. A wizard is never late. He arrives precisely when he means to. Um, we said Erie. Yeah, uh, we said Erie. And Jared, I don't know if you've ever seen Erie, Indiana, the TV show, but you should check it out. I have not, but that's correct. Number six, four letters, first name in R&B, James with a jazzy voice, place close to Sundance. And on this one, we uh, we went with Etta. Yeah, we, we thought the first two clues were both about the same person, and we took a stab and said Etta for Etta James. Etta's correct. And the, the place close to Sundance one is talking about Etta Place, who is the Sundance Kids partner. Oh, okay. That's why. Okay, it's that a little well. tricky one. Yeah. We were thinking about the actual like, location so in, of Sundance. I was like, where in Utah is this? <laughs> Etta. I've never heard of Etta, Utah. Number seven, six letters, African Menace. Fly in a jungle, sub-Saharan scourge. So, um, Tim, you had a different idea. What was that one? So, for a brief second, I considered a uh, dengue, uh, which fits. But you, you talked me out of that one. Yeah, we went with. I think that's a really smart answer, but it may be too hard for a crossword puzzle. So we said Tsitsi. We too said Tsitsi. Tsitsi is correct. And if you do enough crosswords, you start to realize there are a few things too hard for crosswords. You kind of have to make do sometimes. Number eight, four letters, daughter of Cronus, Greek goddess of marriage, Juno's uh, Greek counterpart. Uh, yeah, the only thing missing would be to call a Phoenix 2. Uh, it's Hera. Star Wars joke. 
We said Hera. It is Hera. Uh, number nine, four letters, Olympic poker. It can have a French or pistol grip. Tool for a duel. We said foil on this one. Oh, that's what I was trying to think of, Jeff. What is the foil? The sword, the very thin sword. What did it's you like lock in with? your foil? Well, I wear foil hats sometimes when I think that the aliens are coming to get me. Um, what did we talk lock in with, Jeff? Because I, I could not think of the word foil for the life of me. I couldn't either. The only thing, four letters that had to do with the duel, we said pace. So this is a great example of a word that you might not hear very much in regular life, but if you do crosswords, you come across it almost daily. It is epe, E-P-E-E. Oh. First miss, too, from both teams. And uh, finally, number 10, three letters, neighbor of G-A in the manner of cookbook phrase. And for this one, we had Allah, A-L-A. As did we. It is A-L-A, Allah, or Alabama. So the swing round has not uh, swung the scores too much. It's still 121 for frenemy at the gates and 139 for behind frenemy lines. That was difficult. Yeah. Who else is in? It's, is that Gene Hackman with uh, Owen Wilson? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Love a good Gene Hackman movie, especially when he's chewing up the scenery. If you haven't seen Crimson Tide before, you get uh, Denzel and Gene Hackman yelling at each other. And what what better way can you enjoy a movie? And speaking of movies, round two kicks off with a sort of movie question. Uh, Question one. In the category of things you probably didn't know were connected, Todd Field is the inventor of the baseball-themed bubblegum Big League Chew, as well as the director of what 2023 Oscar Best Picture nominee? We can lock in. So um, I think the original flavor that Big League Chew was going to be was unpopular, and it was going to be tar. <laughs> okay, tar I like flavored, that answer. Yeah. I was racking my brain. I, I don't follow the Oscars and, all and that he, much. That, that idea was rejected, and he just had to get the tar out of his system, so he directed tar. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of one of his previous films uh, called Little Children, um, I think it's a favorite of uh, people who work at Maytag, uh, but we locked in with Tar. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it's a very, Is very Jack deep Earl cut. Haley like a vacuum repairman? Oh, no, it's darker than that. Someone will get it somewhere. Yeah, it, it is Tar. That, that's correct. <laughs> I'd be careful you... about saying you're a fan of Little Children, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's a fan of the film, Little of Children. The, I'm a fan of the film, but not little... too much. Not too much, right, right. It's not like... Just the right amount. Like, like I, I've He's an seen, appreciator. Yeah, I've, I appreciate the artwork that goes into Salo or 120 Days of Sodom, but I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> Question two. Peggy Parrish was the creator of what series of children's books that began in 1963? The series featured the titular housemaid that would misinterpret the commands of her employer to a comical degree, such as decorating a steak when asked to trim its fat or hanging light bulbs from a clothesline when asked to put the lights out. Why didn't they just fire her? That's what I want to know. Because it was fictional. Um, it sounds like we're locked in, right? Yep, I got this one. Okay, children's books that began in 1963. I'm not big on children's books because as we've specified, I like the movie Little Children. Um, the series featured a titular housemate. Is this Nanny McPhee? Or is that British? That's British. That's probably, this sounds American. Peggy Parrish. She could be British. Uh, let me see. I, I thought Nanny McPhee, though, was like really mean and had like a mole and like crazy teeth and stuff. So I, I don't think she'd be dumb. I think Nanny McPhee was like a sadist. Yeah. 
I'm at a loss though, Neil. So I have I have no idea. Yeah, we'll just say Nanny McPhee, but I I think that's absolutely wrong. So I I might be thinking of the wrong character, and you can officially lock in. But is this Amelia Bedelia? It it is. I have a I have a two year old. We've read Amelia Bedelia to him. She's all about the. He's all about the Bedelia. Uh, uh we've we've read it to him. Okay. He's, he's not really into anything except just a general concept of books. Okay. Well, that's a good thing to be into as a two year old. So Amelia Bedelia. It is Amelia Bedelia. Nice, Paul. I've heard of that book series, but I never knew what it was about. So at least I'll block that one away. I miss the days when I was just a general fan of book. Of, or just anything that's read to you, like a phone book or menu or... Yeah, whatever they had in, on hand. Final rights or something. <laughs> <laughs> just casually reading the final rights on a nice Saturday evening. Yeah, You know those, know. You know those uh, go to sleep while we read you a boring story podcast? Yeah. They should do one that's final rights. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Anytime you I, that you're dead. Anytime my parents read their will to me, it put me right to sleep when I was three. Hey, uh, guys, I'm going to bookmark the uh, the final rights episode. It's very comforting to know I'd be taken care of, if you know what I mean. <laughs> right. Swaddled by the will. I'll take care of you, Jeff. In <laughs> uh, an equally uh, somber topic, question three. The International Nuclear Event Scale is used to measure the severity of nuclear accidents. To date, there have only been two accidents to be rated at the top of the scale with a score of 7, one being the infamous Chernobyl disaster, and the other being what earthquake-originated disaster that took place in 2011. Yeah, I'll give you five it. points if you can identify the country the disaster occurred in, and full points if you can name the power plant. I was actually in Korea when this happened. Oh, really? Oh, that must have been a little freaky. Not not bit. terribly close. Okay, so obviously Japan. Yep. And, and then, I think it's Fukushima. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think uh, Fukushima is the name, maybe the name of the plant and the prefecture. So, yeah, Fukushima. Yep. We said that this took place in Fukushima, Japan. It was the Fukushima power plant in Japan. That's right. Am I wrong in thinking I, I wrote down Three Mile Island, but that was also a nuclear it issue, was right? that was in yeah, the u.s but, right. but there wasn't a single fatality from that okay i just remember that's in big and trivia so that's why i wrote it down but um okay i was yeah. just curious because then, the only... the, then there was the thousand island mayo incident okay right where people were slipping on the road and they kept falling mm -hmm. question four felicet was an animal launched into space by the french space program in 1963 and she remains the only animal of her species to have ever survived space flight what kind of animal was she? According to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Cosmo also is still with us. Um, well, I mean, based on the name, I was thinking maybe a cat, but... Yeah, it was kind of between uh, cat and cockroach, and cat sounds nicer, so let's go with cat. No, I, I think we want to send a cat because a cat is sexy. A pig is not. You can't put lipstick on a pig and make it kiss you. I think we should go cat, personally. Because fella, fella set, uh screams feline to me. It it does seem like the the female cat potentially. Fella set seems so, like yeah a cat sitcom character. So two cats, please. And a cat you shall receive. Fella set was a cat. I think uh, originally it was called Felix the cat, but they discovered it was female, so they feminized it. Question five. This question is going to be a little mini swing round where I'll give you five figures of American folklore. And you have to tell me if they were a real person that lived and breathed and died, 
or just something someone made up one day, you'll earn two points for each correct answer. So number one, Pecos Bill. Number two, John Henry. Number three, Johnny Appleseed. Number four, Paul Bunyan. And number five, Davy Crockett. All right, Tim. I think two of these are real characters or people. Okay. I mean, Davy oh. Crockett is the one I know. Davy Crockett, definitely real. Yeah. Killed at the Alamo. They're all real right. characters, Ken, if you know what I mean. Mm. And I think Johnny Appleseed is a real person, but his exploits were exaggerated. The others, I'm pretty sure, are just tall tales. It's like Paul yeah. Revere, like somebody else was throwing, slinging more apple seeds. Or... Sure. I'm, I'm good with that. I, I was I was 50-50 on Appleseed. But... So the two reels are Appleseed and Crockett. We said, uh, maybe not his name, but Johnny Appleseed was real. We said Davy Crockett was real. And we also thought John Henry was potentially real. I agreed with you on that one because I think he was real, and then they catapulted his legend bigger. Uh, but we know Patrick Swayze portrayed Pecos Bills. We knew that one was fake. Yeah, pretty sure Paul Bunyan and his blue ox are made up. But Okay, so I'll go through them once more, and I'll tell you whether they are real or made up. So one, Pecos Bill, he is made up, not a real guy. Two, John Henry was real, though his legends embellish his feats quite a lot. Number three, Johnny Appleseed was real. His name was actually John Chapman, though. Number four, Paul Bunyan made up. There is no Paul and no big blue ox. And number five, Davy Crockett is just straight up a real guy with a made up sounding name. After the first half of the second round, it looks like we are in striking distance. It is now 169 to 179. The enemy is at the gates, or the frenemy is at the gates, I should say. And you know, behind the lines. Do you know who's in the movie Striking Distance? No. Bruce Willis takes place on a boat. I don't like boat movies. You don't, that's true. And um, But what Sergeant about Parker. if that boat is underwater? Especially not then. No, he would the alt the movie that would break Ken would be a movie that takes place in a boat that's underwater that is cast only with kids. That would be the worst. Kid sub. Kid sub coming yeah. to theaters twenty twenty four. Okay. That brings us to question six. On May first of this year, an eighty four year old Canadian musician passed away. His career spans seven decades and will be remembered for songs like Ribbon of Darkness, Sundown, and Rainy Day People. What man am I describing? All right, so Neil looks like he's up to date on his current events, and he locked in right away. Any ideas right off the bat here? I should, and I know I'm going to know it as soon as I hear it. Um, there's there's a running joke in our Discord, because I'm always the first one to break the death news that I just actually have a hit list, uh, and I can't remember who I supposedly killed. Uh... <laughs> you have a death note in your Discord? Basically, uh, I cannot remember who it was. I don't think I'm going to get there. But as soon as, soon as they say it, I'm going to be like, yep, that was it. So you, you, you think you probably know it, but it's escaping you. And I think that I would have recognized this from my news feeds if it was somebody that I was familiar with. So we're just going to apologize to Neil Young because he's still with us and say Neil Young. I'm sad that this is how I found this news out, but it's uh, someone I liked quite a lot, according to Neil, 
And um, the other clues fit with what I know. Bela Fleck? No, no, Bela Fleck's American. I'm much younger, but um, <laughs> that's a really random poll, by the way. But uh, no, someone uh, I've, I've made reference to on this show quite a lot, um, famous for a song called The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Wow. It's Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, that's it. Yep, Gordon Lightfoot. Of course, it's a guy named Gordon. Yeah, he's Canada. Canadian. Gordon. The fisherman as well. Question seven. The story behind a popular American beer's name is a bit unclear, with one account disputing the popular lore by claiming the only prizes awarded by the executive committee at the 1893 World's Columbian Exposition were bronze medals. What beer brand is this quote referring to? That makes a lot of sense, Jeff. We can lock in. And, and knowing what the, the beer is and the, that you've written down, I can smell someone drinking it. Did you write down Heineken? Did not write down Heineken. Did you write down Pabst Blue Ribbon? <laughs> we did. Do you agree with me, Tim? I do. That's the first one that jumped to my mind. All right. The quote claims the prize for the competition was just a bronze medal, but one way or another, Gottlieb Pabst began to tie blue ribbons around his beers to promote them, leading to the brand Pabst Blue Ribbon. The ribbons did not help the taste, though. <laughs> You're supposed to dip them in. Them. Well, we have the Chicago. You're supposed to dip the ribbons. That's why. I thought you were supposed to take the ribbon and hang it on your doorknob to tell people you've made good decisions that evening. (laughs) Well, we we have the Chicago special or Chicago handshake here, which is the uh, tall boy of Pabst Blue Ribbon and a shot of Malort. You'll be shaking hands with the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Question eight. According to tradition, the names Balthazar, Melchior, and Gaspar are associated with what trio of men? So I'm pretty positive on this one. Um, I think this is a group of men who brought um, progressively worse and worse gifts to a certain uh, to a certain person who was born. Yeah. yeah. So you're saying the three wise men? Yeah, the three wise men, the three magi, the three kings, whatever you want to call them. That's it. It, def- it definitely felt biblical, and I couldn't get away from the men thrown in the fire. But that was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm. A bumblebee. Uh, That's right. If anybody so wants I, to bring me gifts on my birthday, I'll take gold. You can leave the frankincense and myrrh behind. That's fine. Correct me if I'm... Oh, go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say, I don't know. Um, I don't really know if anybody knows what myrrh is, so you might have something valuable on your hands. Okay, there, bring but... me it all, and then I'll sift through it later. <laughs> I, I believe isn't myrrh used in um, like embalming? It might be. Excellent. I've been looking for some of that. It's <laughs> a great gift for a newborn, some embalming oils. Yeah, we said that uh, these men brought uh, spearmint lifesavers, a uh, a jar of uh, nugget. And a travel-sized toothpaste. Nougat, a travel-sized toothpaste, and then a copy of Amelia Bedelius. We said three wise men. Yep, three wise men, three kings, three magi, what have you. That's the name they're just, the names they're traditionally gone by. One was much wiser than the other two, though, let's, let's face it. <laughs> Well, one of them became yeah. a director of films. The guy with the myrrh. Do you think they were well actualing each other all the way through the desert to prove who was the wisest? Did they? Did they all? Well, they all came from the east, right? But they didn't have to necessarily come from the same direction, Ken. So, well, I, Ken I is. Like, I like to picture them traveling together. It would be lonely they like, otherwise. They like join up, and they're like, "Oh, what'd you get him?" And it's like, "Oh, I got him some gold." And the other two are like, <laughs> "We always think they arrive at the same time." So I figured they met up somewhere on the. And anyways, let's move on. And Gas- Gaspar became one of your favorite directors, Ken. Gaspar started <laughs> directing really graphic films. <laughs> All right, question nine. 
In a section labeled Note G of a 19th century woman's notebook, she describes an algorithm for Charles Babbage's analytical engine to compute Bernoulli numbers. This algorithm is now considered the first ever algorithm designed with the intent to use with a machine computer, and because of this, she is, she is considered the world's first computer programmer. Who is this woman whose namesake was also used for an early programming language? Sounds like you guys are locked in. Any oh, yeah. ideas, Tim? No, no, and it's bothering me. Um, I know this. Mm. Or do you have anything? Not really. I don't know uh, really programming languages. I know Java and C++, whatever it is. C++, DOS. Here's, here's a word I heard recently, Boolean. Oh, like a Boolean sequence. Bo Boolean is a form of logic. Okay, so not that. I I mean, I, I really can't say anything else. All right, we're, we're going to go with a lucky Boolean as last name. <laughs> um, and that's not a gold Boolean. Or, or, would it, or would it be Bool? Yeah, we could say Bool. Okay. Uh, not the monster from Sinister. <laughs> that that that's would be Bagul. Bagul. Jane Bagul. Her, his his so, nice sister who lives in the suburbs. Yeah, Neil and I just locked in on somebody we knew was a 19th century woman uh, closely associated with um, like early computing, um, and we guessed Ada Lovelace. So, uh, Boolean is actually named after a guy. It's uh, George Boole, but Ada, the programming language, is named after Ada Lovelace. Mm. Who was the daughter of what famous person, Neil? Linda Lovelace. Is that what you were going for? <laughs> Lucy Loveless. <laughs> I thought that was what you want. You were setting me up for. What do you want? What do you what, want from us? I don't know. I don't you know think what we you know want. Everything, Jeff. I'm I here do. to. I'm here to make jokes and Move get on. questions let's, half let's right. Go. Let's get the last question already. The last question. Question ten. In October 2022, athlete Ross Chastain did an action he later claimed was inspired by something he used to do in a GameCube game. The action drew media attention from people both praising his creativity and daringness as well as expressing concern for the potential danger that his action presented. The action he did was technically legal in the sport at the time, but in January 2023, the organization he is a part of officially made it illegal. What sport does Ross Chastain participate in? So, Jeff, you, I know you want to say it. Who's who's the parent? Who's, uh, who's the father? Lord Byron is her, oh, okay. her very famous father. Lloyd Byron? Lord. Oh, Lord Byron. I, I was thinking of somebody else. <laughs> So do you think he spiked somebody off of a ledge? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> do you think that was the action? Maybe not. Jeff, I I forget that people do partake in what you wrote down, and it just seems crazy enough to work. So if you want to go with that, I will I will trust you. Yeah, I like it for some reason. I don't know why. We'll lock it in. I've got no clue on this one. I have a thought, but I. I feel like the year is wrong. Maybe my timeline is just all messed up. But could this be... Was that when the one quarterback did like a fake slide and then kept running? Well, I, I like I like it. A, a so slide, it would be, fake it would slide. be football. It would be football. Okay. Yeah, um, maybe it's just because uh, earlier this year I was watching a lot of extreme tag, but we just guessed tag. So the sport that he participates in is actually NASCAR. And if you haven't seen this video, then I highly recommend watching it because it's the most insane thing I've ever seen. Uh, and I don't even watch NASCAR. But what he did was he he rode the wall at the finish, like on the outside of the track to 
not lose any oh, speed on the yeah. turn. And I uh, did see that. By doing that, he was able to overtake four other drivers and finish in fifth place. Sadly, in the second half of the second round, we have fallen uh, a little bit further away. It's 189 to 219, but it can still be anybody's game in the final. What are our categories on which we will wager? The categories in the final round are themed after a quintet of albums from my favorite band, Dream Theater. Categories are Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence, Train of Thought, Octavarium, Systematic Chaos, and Black Clouds and Silver Linings. The wagers are locked in, and it's 30s all the way down for both teams. We're both going for the gold, so let's have the questions. Okay, question one in the category of Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon is a game in which a player tries to connect an actor to Kevin Bacon with a chain of movies that share actors. The degrees of separation lead to what's known as their Bacon number. For example, Emily Blunt was in Edge of Tomorrow with Bill Paxton, who was in Apollo 13 with Kevin Bacon, so Emily Blunt's Bacon number is two. Try to come up with the lowest Bacon number you can for Jack Black, the team with the lowest number will receive their wagered points, and the other team loses theirs. If there's a tie, both teams get their wager. Question two in the category of train of thought. According to a 2019 report, what country reports the highest number of train passengers per year at around 25 billion, nearly tripling second place's 8 billion? Question three in the category of octavarium. If you took the number of sides in an octagon, then added the number of sides in a heptagon, then subtracted the number of sides in a decagon, what polygon have you made? Question four in the category of systematic chaos. We're going to get a little wild and wacky with this one. I'm going to send a link to a Wordle game, and you can choose who on your team gets to do it. The only rule is you have to start with the word chaos. Once both teams are locked in, we'll have the solver read out their sequence of words, Whichever team got it in fewer guesses will get however many points they wagered, and the other team will lose however many points they wagered. If both teams tie, then both teams will receive the full amount of points they wagered. And finally, question five in the category of black clouds and silver linings. It all comes full circle with another question about the big four sports leagues. Name the three teams across the NFL, NBA, NHL, and MLB whose team theme is based on pirates. All right, we have our questions and puzzles, and we will be back and see who is the cream of the crop. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? 
We've Got the Cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. We are back with our answers, and uh, this has been a fun one. So let's find out who's going to win this game. Okay, so for question one, I asked you guys to connect Jack Black and Kevin Bacon in as few movies as possible. Well, it seemed that both of us were committed to trying to use the Christmas special for Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Mm -hmm. But we decided to be safe because we didn't know if that counted as a movie. So we went with Tenacious D with Tim, Tim Robbins. Uh, to Mystic River with Kevin Bacon. That was a good one. Uh, yeah, Jeff asked me if they were in the same movie, and I was like, I, I almost bet my life that they weren't uh, an official movie at least. So we said Jack Black was in Weird Al with Rain Wilson, who was in Super with Kevin Bacon. What was that first movie? What was it called? Uh, Weird Al. Weird Al? Weird, the Al Yankovic okay. story. Just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so full points for that, both See, that should be an one. asterisk too, I think. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, full points, both teams, 30, 30 points for both teams. Question two was, I asked you, what country reports the highest number of train passengers per year at around $25 billion? Uh, We said uh, a country with a lot of people and at least a fairly decent infrastructure, uh, China. Yeah, uh, if you do the math, that's 68 million passengers a day. Um, so... Originally, we were thinking Japan, but that would mean more than half of Japanese people would have to ride the train every single day. So we guessed China. Well, it is Japan, actually. Wow. People love their trains over there. Question three was some polygon math. I asked you to add an octagon and a heptagon together and then subtract a decagon and tell me what polygon you've made. Uh, yeah, so octagon is eight, heptagon is seven. That makes 15. A decagon was 10 so we said a pentagon we said the humble pentagon it was the pentagon question four i gave you both a wordle game with the same structure and told you to begin with the word chaos and whoever got the answer and is in the fewest amount of guesses won all right so we had a little bit of a hiccup here so me and uh tim were both playing uh the wordle game independently but using the same words and so we used chaos, and then I said, how about right? And I typed in R-I-G-H-T, and he typed in W-R-I-T-E. And so we got a little too much information, uh, but that led us to the word great. But we added one to our score for the little hiccup. So three, uh, asterisk, four. Well, so you did put four. in four separate words. So, so four. And for us, we put in chaos, and then tired, alert, and then great. And we got great in four. So both teams receiving their full wagers on that one as well. And finally, in question five, I asked you to name all of the big four sports teams who are based on Pirates. Yeah, so uh, we said, well, the Pirates, which are there in the question, Pittsburgh Pirates, 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Oakland Raiders. Yep. Um, so we said the Pittsburgh Pirates. Go Pirates! Um, then we said the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we said the Las Vegas Raiders. Close enough. I mean, you got the Raiders part of it. But that's the important part. So Pirates, Raiders, Buccaneers. That will conclude today's game. For uh, Frenemy at the Gates, we have 279, a very respectable score, but just edging us out there in the final uh, behind frenemy lines 309 you are the cream wait wow you're the cream of the crop cream of the crop yeah good good game Jeff uh, those were awesome questions Jared thank you thank you yeah and um, I feel like we were neck and neck the whole game and then even in the final here we had the exact same questions right same ones wrong so and a couple of asterisks a couple couple of asterisks yeah and you know had I gone with my gut with Japan and you know had you guys gone with the right word um, we could have been in the same boat. You could have won. I feel like it's a moral victory, Tim, and uh, you're a great partner. So I had a great time uh, playing with you as well. I did too, and I'll take that moral victory. There are no losers on Triviality because there's no prizes. So that's true. And you can <laughs> you can carry that moral the, victory. I guess the prize is we spent an, an hour and a half playing trivia with fun people. That's so right. there you go. You can carry that moral victory over to your new show. Uh, where can people find it? What's it called? And any other uh, final words before we let you go? Yeah, so it's called uh, Frenemy Trivia. Um, it should be, by the time this airs, probably three episodes out. And uh, anywhere you find your podcast, you can find it. All right, please check that out, people. And uh, Jared, we couldn't have had uh, such a great time without you today. Can you please give any shout-outs that you wish? Yeah, shout-outs to all my friends that helped me test this game. Uh, you know who you are. Uh, and shout-outs to all you guys for helping me have a great uh what is it wednesday wednesday night yeah thank you so much we appreciate you spending time with us it's always great to to hang out play trivia as jeff said points don't matter but it's the friends we make along the way that's what really matters and uh, we want to give a shout out mm -hmm. to airwave media our network um and they have such great shows as the scientific melody how about when things go wrong i do like Sch uh, schadenfreude so yes and ben franklin's world I am interested to see what disease he got when, so I'd like to learn that. Check those out at airwavemedia.com. And that'll do it for today's show. Once again, I want to thank Jared and Tim for joining us today, for Jeff, Neil, Matt doing whatever he's doing, and myself, Ken. That was Triviality. 